0: Welcome to the Aussie Animal Show on AAA Radio. This is the wildlife with Rob Armstrong. As from next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., birds that are normally fully protected will be able to be shot here in Victoria for recreational purposes. With me online is Mr. Laurie Levy, campaign director for the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. Laurie, thank you for joining us. A pleasure, Rob. Thank you for having me. Why should duck shooting be banned in Victoria?
1: Native water birds are a part of Australia. They're part of our ecosystem. They're beautiful, they're magnificent. When we first started the, the campaign, there were 100,000 duck shooters in Victoria. All in those days, the vast majority of those 100,000 would have used semi-automatic or pump-action shotguns. And duck shooters dress up in, in camo gear. They look like, they try to look like soldiers, and, and they're shooting down a, a small defenceless bird. And I, and I just thought our native water birds deserve a, a fair go. And in 1986, we took 15 rescuers out To a Geelong wetland to challenge 100,000 duck shooters that were in Victoria. There were probably about 8,000 duck shooters down at Geelong. And, you know, people might say, well, how can 15 people ever be effective in in stopping, uh, you know, 100,000 duck shooters? Well, the difference this time was all the media came out with us. Uh, And those news stories of, of birds being shot out of the sky, birds being wounded, Uh, you had birds flapping around, you had protected and threatened species being illegally shot. And for the first time, the public, the viewing public on the nightly news saw rescuers coming out of the water, putting their lives at risk,
0: carrying wounded birds. And, And that was the catalyst for change. And there has been change over the years with a number of changes in laws and regulations, but it does need to be banned. Oh, it has to be banned. Uh, In
1: fact, we've had duck shooting banned in Western Australia in 1990. We were invited to go over that year by the West Australian Conservation Council, and they were putting a team together for the first time to challenge duck shooting over there. And we went over and and worked with the team over there. And and three months later, Premier Carmen Lawrence put out a media release saying that each year native water birds are wounded, uh, protected and threatened species are illegally shot and lead shot pollutes the wetlands, and that duck shooting was now banned. And Bob Carr followed on in 19... 95 in New South Wales when he banned the recreational shooting of native water birds and then Peter Beattie in Queensland in 2005 also banned duck shooting but when he put out a media release basically what he what premier beattie said to the public was that Queensland is now the smart state for looking after its native water birds and it's been a much tougher battle in Victoria because Victoria had more duck shooters than all the other states put together. But our weapon of choice, we've always been totally nonviolent. Our rescuers go into what is a war zone. We see our role as being similar to the Red Cross. We go in to help the innocent victims and to stop those victims from being shot in the first place. But our weapon of choice was the media. And with all the media coverage that we've always had, especially in the early days, uh, we were able to touch the hearts and minds of of the public. And public opinion came on side straight away. And uh, public opinion has been uh, the biggest catalyst in reducing the numbers of duck shooters in, in Victoria as well.
0: Laurie, uh, on that issue, um, different surveys give different figures, but somewhere between 67 and 87% of Victorians oppose duck shooting and want it banned. Well, um, I I guess the the problem we've had in Victoria
1: is the gun lobby has always had a strong influence over the two main main parties, the Liberal Party and the Labor Party, and uh, both... Liberal and Labor have the same policy supporting duck shooters. So we realised that very early in the piece. So our campaign to to overcome that has been to change public opinion. And by by changing public opinion, the numbers of duck shooters in Victoria have fallen from 100,000 down... To eight or ten thousand active duck shooters today. Now that's still eight or ten thousand too many, but ninety thousand duck shooters have been culled, and uh, and public opinion has been responsible for that, and and of course it's been the courage of our rescuers over the years and their commitment
0: to to our native water birds that has made it all happen. Oh, the rescue team is the backbone of the campaign. Laurie, what type of person becomes a member of your rescue teams? Our rescue team is made up,
1: really, Rob, from people from all walks of life. They're there because they see duck shooting as a terrible injustice. They don't like to see the violence and the cruelty that duck shooters inflict on these beautiful native water birds. And people risk, risk their lives every year to help those birds. And it's because of those wonderful, committed members
0: of the public that public opinion has changed. I think most people realise it is not a protest. It is a rescue operation.
1: Yes, we, 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 we don't go out carrying banners or anything like that. It's a rescue operation, but it's also a media campaign. And the campaign is really built on two images. One of a duck shooter in camo gear, carrying in what in the early days, a semi-automatic or pump action shotgun and shooting down a small defenceless bird. The second image the public would see on the nightly news would be a rescuer coming out of the water, risking their lives being out there in the first place with a wounded bird. Then they would see... The bird taken to a mobile veterinary clinic that we had on the wetlands. The media and the public would see the vets, the volunteer vets who were giving their time to help save the lives of these brutalised birds. When people are watching the nightly news, those images of kindness and compassion will always beat an act of violence in the hearts and minds of
0: the public And that's how the campaign was fought, basically, Rob. Uh, A lot of people would like to be involved, and perhaps they don't want to go out and expose themselves to this violence. How can the general person do something to assist the coalition against duck shooting? Well, people could either write to politicians,
1: uh, write to newspapers. They could call up radio stations, especially when the subject is being discussed and just say that the recreational shooting of native water birds is just totally uh, and utterly unacceptable these days. Uh, I mean, these birds can't fight back. They can't defend themselves. Well, all a shooter does is stand in the water, point his gun, and most of them are males. I've, we've seen very few women out there over the last 37 years, but all they do is stand there, point their guns up in the air, birds fly over, and they pull the trigger. And that's totally unacceptable. And I, I, I mean, often when a bird is hit, you'll hear the shooters cheer as the bird falls to the ground, uh, onto the water. And to, to rescuers who are out there, rescuers are there for one reason they want to help protect and save the lives of those birds. They've been coming out for 37 years with new rescuers. Some rescuers come out and they can't, uh, uh, they, they, they just can't accept the the violence and the cruelty that they're forced to, to witness and, and they won't come again. But others will become totally committed and will come out every year. But in any campaign, the media is always your biggest weapon to bring about change because you can get to 100,000 people at the one time. You can get to 500,000 viewers at the one time or a million viewers. And when our campaign started in 1986 in Victoria, there was so much media coverage that that coverage went right around Australia. And what that meant was other people in other states got involved in the issue and they phoned up and said, we want to go out and rescue native water birds in New South Wales and Western Australia and uh, et cetera, and Tasmania and South Australia. And And so campaigns kicked off in other states as well. And, and of course, it is a media campaign. It's amazing getting into the hearts and minds of, of the public is the best way to bring about
0: change. Laurie, in the mid-90s, the Victorian State Government commissioned the Arthur Ryler Institute of Environmental Research to prepare a definitive paper on duck shooting. I remember the conclusion. It basically said there is no social, moral, legal, environmental, or ecological reason to have a duck season. It is purely a political decision.
1: Yes, I fully agree with that, Rob. Um, you, you, you know, it, it, in the old days, shooters could get out there and do what they wanted. When we first went out to the wetlands and I was asked a question by a journalist, what I thought of it out there, I said it reminds me of the old Western movies like Dodge City or Tombstone Territory where where there's no law and order. And it was like that on the wetlands. There was no law and order. Now, because we were out there, the police came out and the, and, and the department had to enforce more rules and regulations against duck shooters. And, and even a few years ago when the Shooters Party was in uh, in government and Daniel Young in, in Victoria made a statement to Parliament and he said years ago they could just go out there, shoot birds and have fun. These days when they're on the water, before they pull the trigger, they've got to look around to see if there's a camera on them before they they fire their guns. And and it's changed completely. Duck shooters are being scrutinised. A lot of our uh, rescuers are camera people. They take images of shocking cruelty that shooters are inflicting on on Australia's beautiful native water birds, and those images often go to air, Um, you'll find that the Game Management Authority in Victoria, who are the regulators, fail to regulate, mainly because duck shooters are their clients and they protect their clients. Uh, So there's never actually been a prosecution against a duck shooter for cruelty, which is absolutely amazing in an activity that is all about violence and cruelty. So at least those duck shooter numbers have come down over the years. And by reducing the numbers of duck shooters from 100,000 in Victoria to, say, 10,000, it's saving the lives of a lot of birds. Of course, the other thing that that has changed in the 80s and early 90s, you'd go out to those wetlands and every wetland would have 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 or 50,000 water birds on it. And, and it was hard to pick a wetland to go to because you wanted to cover all of those wetlands on the opening morning of the duck shooting season. Lake Bulloak uh near Donald in central Victoria Lake Oak was the cowboy capital of duck shooting they used to get 10 to 15,000 duck shooters on that one wetland on the opening morning and uh, these days if oak has water you're, you're lucky to see 200 duck shooters not 10 or 15,000 but the numbers of water birds that we that we saw in the early days Uh, are not there anymore. Climate change and overshooting has decimated uh, populations. And I I know Professor Richard Kingsford from the University of New South Wales. Uh, Professor Kingsford has been doing aerial surveys of the east coast of Australia since 1983. And he said, "With and what his survey showed, They're conducted at the same time every year, usually in October. And his surveys have shown that water bird numbers uh, since 1983 have decreased by 90%. And that puts them in a very precarious situation. Uh, We've got climate change, which is making it worse. A lot of our wetlands are drying out early. Uh, We don't have the numbers of water birds and any shooting continues to decimate
0: the populations of these beautiful birds. Those counts, uh, the 2021 count, um, identified that game bird numbers were down to a quarter of the mean average and 44% of the major wetlands in Victoria were dry during that count. How are yes. birds supposed to survive that?
1: Very difficult. Uh, and I mean, I, I guess in Victoria, in when we first started going out in the 80s and 90s, the only time wetlands dried out really then w- was when we had an El Nino or a hot spell or a drought. These days, wetlands are drying out in the winter. And that highlights climate change, the atmosphere uh, it is totally different to what it used to be when we first started. And, and of course, with wetlands drying out in, in, in the winter, uh, there aren't that many wetlands that, that there should be for water birds to use. But I, I think what we've got to do now, we've got to really pull the plug on duck shooting. The problem, as I said before, both major parties have the numbers in Parliament, and both major parties still spend multi-millions of taxpayers' dollars supporting duck shooters. There's not one single dollar that government spend on native water birds or rescuing native water birds or looking after native water birds. That job of looking after native water birds is left to concerned volunteer members of the public who risk their lives every year by going out to the wetlands, and of course every year volunteer vets come out. They they give up their time to come out and treat wounded birds, and and birds that can be saved often go back to Melbourne Zoo, Hillsville Sanctuary, or the Smith Animal Hospital. Uh, where further operations take place often before water birds can, that have been wounded can be released back into the wild again.
0: Laurie, can we spend a moment and chat about the freckled duck and what's been happening to that species during duck season? Well, the freckled duck
1: is unique to Australia. You don't find them anywhere else in the world. and, and of course, they're amongst the ten most rare water birds in the world. Yet every year they get shot when they're on wetlands in Victoria.
0: Laurie, I do realise that some birds migrate with water, etc. So the bird counts are very important. But can we go back to nineteen? Uh, yes, 1993, Lake Baloch? There was yes. uh, it counted. Uh, in, in surveys that year, 149 freckled duck in the whole state of Victoria.
1: What happened um, closer to the opening, it was discovered that there were more freckled ducks there. There were 300 on the northern end of uh, Lake Bullock. So the numbers had increased. And obviously, being a threatened species, we tried to get Lake Bulloak closed off to shooting uh, to protect them. And the government and the department refused that. They said would close off the northern end of Lake Bull Oak uh, and that would be a sanctuary for them. And we said, look, that won't work because as soon as the guns go off everywhere else, the birds will take fright, fly out of the sanctuary and fly into the guns. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, the start of the duck shooting season, the guns went off. The the 300 freckled ducks basically flew out of the sanctuary, and we recovered uh, 272 that had been illegally shot. Now, not only that time, but but in in 2013, uh, that there was a, a massacre that took place at, at a wetland, a private wetland called. Box flat, and what happened? Shooters had been invited to go there for the shoot, and Winchester had taken crates of ammunition up as a sales pitch, uh, and they gave that ammunition away free to the shooters. And basically, a massacre was uh, happened there. About 2,000 birds had been shot on the Saturday. on on the opening morning of the duck shooting season. And, and of course, uh, over 200 freckled ducks had been illegally shot. But the department officers who were there were standing on the shore and they didn't see the massacre happen. So that night the shooters cleaned up a lot of those birds and those birds, we believe, were buried in pits somewhere around the box flat wetland. But even with that, we went down there a week later and our rescuers, in the first 15 minutes of being on the water, found 43 illegally shot freckle ducks that had been there for a week. They were part of that massacre. What happened there was the government closed the wetland off to shooting, set up an inquiry and talked about prosecuting shooters but no shooter was ever prosecuted. And basically what happened was all the shooters that had been on that wetland refused to talk. In 2017, there were freckle ducks at, at the Karangi marshes, which, which is part of the Karang-Ramsar wetlands. Now, again, we tried to get the marshes closed off to shooting, the shooters said, oh, we've passed a waterfowl ID test. We can recognise treacle ducks. And the government left that wetland open. Well, before the season even started, the shooting from the other side of the lake was like World War Three. At the end of the day, uh, our rescuers brought out 1,500 dead birds. Of those, 296 were protected species, and of those 296, 183 were illegally shot bluebill and freckled ducks. Of course, what we always have done is we display those birds outside the Premier's office on the Monday morning after the opening weekend shoot. Now, that's again highlighting that even with all the So called education for shooters. The government had brought in a a waterfowl identification test in 1990, mainly to stop freckle ducks from being illegally shot. Here in 2017, 130 freckle ducks plus bluebill ducks had been illegally shot. It, It just highlights that there are no controls over duck shooters. The policing is so bad on the wetlands that, that duck shooters basically get away with whatever they want to do. And it's only because our rescuers are out there bringing in illegally shot, protected and threatened species that we can highlight to the public and to politicians the carnage that is taking place out there. But freckle ducks are still unique to Australia and they still get shot on wetlands that are open to shooting uh, during a duck shooting season. And and that's why, again, duck shooting in Victoria must be banned as it has been in uh, Western
0: Australia, New South Wales and Queensland. On that issue alone of the freckled duck, looking at the bird survey numbers for 2020... They found one freckled duck. The most recent bird surveys, 2021, zero. It's unfortunate, but quite frankly, it's time for the
1: government to act. And and, you know, as we've been saying, nature-based tourism is the way to go. And one of the problems in Australia is that governments don't really respect native wildlife. They seem to only wait until a species has reached the point of no return before it's protected. And this year, two game species, which have been low in numbers for a long time, that we'd been trying to have taken off the so-called hit list for shooters. Um, The government finally declared those two species, the Australasian blue-winged shoveler, And the hardhead, uh, the government has declared them threatened species now. But it's just a shame that these birds have to reach the point of being threatened before they're protected. One would expect that whilst our native, our magnificent native wildlife is plentiful, it should be protected. And you only have to look at what's happened in Africa. Most of the 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 big animals over there have gone and, and, and what a tragedy and what a tragedy it is here that we just don't have the bird numbers that, that we used to. And it, it's time for state and federal governments to really step in and fully protect
0: all of our native wildlife for the future. Duck season could be banned immediately and replaced with ecotourism? Yeah, yes, I
1: mean, duck shooting doesn't bring money in. Uh, uh, there are so few duck shooters that, that it couldn't bring money in. Uh, and, and even the Australia Institute said that, that in, in a special report a few years ago. Now, uh, nature-based tourism is the way for regional Victoria to go because that's where the money is. And, in fact, the Tourism Bureau from last year I had a look at how much money was coming in from bird watchers, and it was $2.88 billion. So the money for regional towns, and many regional towns in Victoria are not doing financially well. The Auditor General a few years ago looked at the, the prosperity of regional towns and said. That regional towns of Victoria are, are doing far worse than really any other state in Australia. Now, the way to go, I mean, Kerrang! has beautiful Ramsar wetlands and these wetlands, when we first started going out to them, were like rubbish tips and, and shooters were just littering those, those wetlands with the bodies of dead birds uh, and, and also uh the amount of litter that duck shooters leave behind was just totally unacceptable. But, you know, nature-based tourism is the way to go. And Australia, right across the board, with all of its native wildlife, should be protecting all of our native wildlife and utilising the nature-based tourism aspect that could be bringing millions of dollars into small country towns, and, and you only have to look at the the penguins down at Phillip Island. You know, in, in the 1970s, most of the penguins were dying out uh, because the land where their burrows were w- was being opened up uh, commercially, where people were building houses and etc. When Labor, the Labor government, The John Cain, Joan Kerner government got in 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 the 80s. They looked at the situation and they started uh, a program to protect the penguins and to set up uh, a nature-based tourism industry. They, over a 20-year period, purchased all the homes back. They were knocked down. That area became the penguin parade. And now those penguins are multiplying in numbers And also the tourism aspect is marvellous. They bring in about $500 million a year. There's employment down at Phillip Island, and it's the perfect spot. Those birds are well-known right around the world, in fact. And and tourists come out here to go to Phillip Island to see the penguins waddling ashore in the early evening. And and that can be done, that model, uh, and, and it showed how John Cain and Joan Kerner and Evan Walker, when they were setting up this program, had vision and they could see, they could look into the future and and they could could envisage the tourist trade. And it was a wonderful way to protect the penguins and it was a wonderful way to bring tourists into Australia and for people in Phillip Island
0: to uh, enjoy the fruits of, of... overseas tourism. Continuing on, you've mentioned regional Victoria and benefits to those towns and cities. One of the biggest things that's happened in the last couple of years is the increase in regional Victoria starting their own groups to try and get duck season changed because they hate what happens, it destroys their environment, their lifestyle and affects their income. So this is a major change. Oh yes, and they're doing a marvelous job and Regional Victorians
1: opposed to duck shooting uh, have, have done a, a fantastic job since they they started up. And and the good thing there is, is that um, Kerry Allen, who runs the organisation, is very good with the media. And what you found were other regional Victorians who cared about native wildlife and, and native water birds We were a bit intimidated by the shooters but with Kerry speaking out a lot more regional people are now speaking out themselves and it's been fantastic changes happening and I I wouldn't be surprised if we're, we're close to seeing the last duck shooting season in Victoria. Are your rescue teams ready Laurie? Well, yes, uh, we're we're gearing up again for this year. Rescue teams are are there. We didn't have... The government only gave us two and a half weeks uh, from announcing that the the season would go ahead. But, yes, we've got a great team. And, you, you know, the one thing, the way we've always operated over the years is that we've never had a committee. The thing I've always worked on is that all people have their own talents and the thing that makes a successful campaign is when you bring people in and people come in and join and and they're good at different things so the the rescue team is made up of people who can use their talents and by doing that we combine our talents whatever they may be and that's why the campaign works so well and of course you don't also wind up with political problems within your own organisation because we can go into action, the rescue team can go into action at a moment's notice and everybody knows what to do out there. Some are great kayakers. Uh, We we have medics out there, uh, ambos out there with us. People are doctors uh, that take care of other people if they get hurt. But everybody has their own specialty. Some do media. Others are good at building, they look after the walkie-talkies, they look after our our radios, Um, and and we have photographers that are uh, top photographers that bring out powerful images for the media. So it's that, I I guess, combination of people who, who can go out there and do their own thing and what they are good at doing, and we all do it together by combining our talents and that's what, what's made a top rescue team.
0: I think uh, a lot of people may not be aware of the danger that your rescuers are in. You've had injuries over the years and, and, and needed those medicos and doctors out there on the wetland. Uh, the violence is not only just towards water birds, but also towards the rescue teams. That's unfortunate, Laurie. Yes, uh, our rescue teams, Rob, have
1: always been non-violent. And... They're out there in a dangerous situation. As I said, we're like the Red Cross. We go into a a war zone to help the innocent victims. And in 2011, a rescuer was shot in the face. She had nine pellets lodged in in her face and and a couple were both sides of her eyes. She, She was just extremely lucky that she wasn't killed and she wasn't blinded. And, she was rushed down to the Horsham Base Hospital, where the doctors operated and took some pellets out, but other pellets still remain. But we we thought at that time it was so serious that should we give the campaign away rather than people risk their lives? And we put it to our rescuers, and they want to stay out there. And they've never shirked the issue. and And from that time on, uh, you could say that rescuers were even more determined to win the issue, and it, it's that courage that, that really has made a huge difference
0: in helping uh, Australia's native water birds. Hopefully this is the end. Laurie, thank you so much for taking your time. I know this is the busy time of year for you, so thank you for sparing uh, the time for this interview, and can we catch up with you after the opening? Yep, yeah, that's fine, Rob. Anytime. Yes, definitely. You take care out there on the wetlands and give our best to all the rescue team. Thanks, Rob.